I started radiation and if you've had radiation, you know what I'm about to say. It fucking destroys you. Chemo destroys you. The day in, day out, Monday to Friday, it kills you. Forgotten Horror Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash Forgotten Corner Pod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto brands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region 3, The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and if you would like to check out other progressive podcasts such as this or the other 15 that Jeremy is on these days, uh, click the link that we will provide in our show notes. My name is Scott Schmidt. I'm your co-host here alongside co-host and good friend Jeremy Appel. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks for uh, reasons that I haven't decided if we'll talk about yet. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, I, I just got back from Ottawa. I uh, <laughs> drove right. my big rig out there. Did you uh, did you Show ride some... on Tamara's broom? Yeah, yeah. That's right. are you talking about Medicine Hat? Uh, Met, the Forgotten Corner Zone. Yeah, Tamara. We should get her on the podcast. I mean, shocking how after like the stories started to come out about like who she was and whatnot, she stopped taking calls from the media, like. When when she was originally organizing it, she spoke to the news before there was a whole lot of, you know, information out there about who she was and what this was all about. And then once once the critical stories start to come out, she uh, she doesn't talk to us anymore. So, you know, well, we can tell her that we're like the rebel. It, absolutely. I don't know if you like the rebel has been like absolutely amazing throughout this like so they have the guy i don't know he goes by k2 on twitter like what a fucking loser you got to be for that to be your name but anyways um he goes down there and he's taking all these videos and you can tell that he's like they're taking videos where the people are talking and he's like this is the truth coming from there and then they will actively fundraise for the convoy on the others like they'll be like if you'd like to donate to their cause, go here, truckers for freedom dot whatever. And it's just like, um, so I'm supposed to buy that this is the truth coming from the convoy, the border protest, because like you're clearly doing a video where you're priming them for what to say and then trying to make money for them. So this, like the idea that this isn't like some sort of far right, like mass and like funded from all kinds of shady sources right like this is not 
this whole convoy thing is such fucking bullshit, I think is the point. Of well, well as the Canadian <laughs> press wrote, some with far right views have latched on to the protest. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is a weird way to describe its organizers. But I mean, like the fact that this whole thing was organized by the Maverick Party, which by like in and of itself is like a pretty right wing group. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to see how they fight over the money. Yeah, yeah. So um, the other thing too is uh, hoping to get some of that, which is before why we, I joined before we go on with our show today. So I had our quarterly meeting with uh, Andre Goulet from the Harbinger Network. Oh yeah, right. We do that every few months. Chit chat about this, guy. and uh, his advice to us was that we should be more um unabashed about telling people that they should support us with their dollars so support us with your dollars you cowards and i was like uh because like we we've had conversations where it's hard to ask for money right like you don't like i don't like being like hey can you you please give us some money but at the same time um we work really hard to get like uh really good guests on this show and uh this is all done in our spare time and uh, I think a lot of people think that like there's something wrong with the $1 or $3 donations a month and like totally do not feel that way. If you're, if you like what we do and you can hawk us a buck or two or three a month, that goes a long way to making sure that we can keep bringing really good content. And uh, I think like we can all agree that um, in-depth independent journalism is about our only way uh through some of the shit that's going on these days so anyway give us money yeah it's all you gotta do it's all you gotta do it's not hard it's i mean if you hard. have money <laughs> if you like don't, don't we're not like that level of grift we're like you should give us your life savings no uh, no of course not I, we, have you seen you but I, mean, <laughs> I mean if you want to i'm not gonna stop you but uh yeah, you know, first in fact, I will on. stop you. Don't give us your life savings. I'd rather you didn't. But if you want to give us three dollars a month, like that's a huge. If you know what I mean, hundred people. Well, did that. if your life savings are three dollars a month, you should definitely give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so uh, we got a really good show today, and I think maybe we should, uh, you know, get to that faster than. I'm just sitting here and bantering about how people don't give us enough money. Um, But uh, should we just get to the show today? Yeah, why don't we do it? Let's start the show. Let's start the show. All right. He is the host of Cross Border Interviews, a podcast that began in 2019 under the idea that people need to hear more from a guest than the typical 15-second soundbite. Now in its third season, the show has welcomed well over 100 guests, discussing various topics and bringing people authentic, unedited conversation. Hailing from Durham, Ontario, Brown's interests have long... Do you know what's funny? is In this whole interview, I don't actually say your name yet. Christopher Brown's interests have long bounced between journalism and politics, passions that shine through during his interviews. He first came to Alberta to work at the Lloyd Minster Source, has handled marketing and communications for the town of Slave Lake, and he now lives in Calgary with his husband, former NDP MLA Ricardo Miranda. The Forgotten Corner is extremely pleased to welcome Chris to the show this week, where we will discuss his love of journalism and politics, 
and how he has built his brand and advanced the reach of his show while also navigating an ongoing battle with brain cancer. We have a had a wild week full of ousted leaders and freedom parties. So I'm sure we're assured we will assuredly get to some current events as well. Uh, but today we want to talk a lot about Chris. So Chris, welcome to the Forgotten Corner. Scott, Jeremy, thank you so much for doing this. I am looking forward to this. This is my first interview on this side of 2022, where I've actually had to take notes. As a former journalist, I hated taking notes. So I had to take notes to try to remember what I've done. So I'm looking forward to this next hour of conversation. I We are too. And uh, you and you, we're very much in common on the don't take notes thing. Like, I cannot stand taking notes. It's like my least favorite thing about being a journalist. But when we sit on this side of the thing, this is why we do this. We get to ask the questions and then kind of sit back and listen to you talk. Um, you're like the, Christopher Brown is like the most popular name in Jeremy and I's life, it seems like. We worked with the Chris Brown at Medicinat News for a lot of years, who is not you. You also did not, uh, I believe, get in any trouble for beating Rihanna. Um, so this is a different Chris Brown um but uh with a with a lovely generic name but not a generic personality obviously um we go backwards with people on the forgotten corner and we make them tell us their life story a little bit and so uh we kind of want to hear about what what brought you to today right uh you, you said you were you were you were raised in ontario um you obviously developed pol a political interest at a young age, I suppose. Yes, uh, I politics has always been one of those things that I've always enjoyed. I've always had a passion for it. And my family introduced me to politics at a quite early age, going back to the 1990 provincial election when David Peterson, the then liberal leader, liberal premier called an early election and which resulted in uh, my aunt, the uh, my well, my dad's aunt, so my great aunt, running for the Liberal Party in the riding of Durham East, and she tied to now former leader of the Conservative Party's Aaron O'Toole's father, John O'Toole, for second place. And if anyone who's listening to this from Ontario knows what happens in that 1990 election, where the NDP miraculously went, oh crap, we've just formed government. I think there's a lot of people in Alberta who say the same thing that happened in 2015. So uh, I, that was my first introduction into politics. So since then, I've always had a passion for politics. And, and what is it about politics that, that uh, appeals to you? I, I think it comes down to the idea that politics affects your day-to-day -day life, right? It, it, no matter what level of government, as much as people say municipal politics is the, the, the front line of politics, what happens federally, what happens provincially does matter. So it does affect your life. I had a guest on the show back in December and he said, politics affects people. And it affects people not just for today, it affects people for tomorrow and generations to come. You go to a sports game, it's that. It's a sports game that you go, you watch, you enjoy yourself, you go home. There's no like ramifications to you if your team loses or if your team does well. Where politics, if your party wins, 
you might get things that you were looking for in the party platform. You might not because some politicians like to say things during an election and then after an election, oh, no. we forgot what we were actually talking about. <laughs> so it to me, it's about things that actually affect you. And politics has affected my life a lot. I've been, I've been on both sides as a journalist, as a staffer. So I know where it, where it comes into play and I've just enjoyed it. I feel like we're like really close to having a conversation about how politics is everything. Like the climate. Climate is just everything. Have you have you guys seen that clip well, this week? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched it on uh we watched it on Big Shiny Takes Twitch stream. Oh my god, that's so funny. Jordan Pearson, yeah. It's just everything, man. That's like I have a problem with it technically, okay? Because like what is climate? It's just everything. What are politics? Politics is just everything, man. Well, even sports is politics, right? Because we always have this battle for Alberta, Edmonton Oilers versus Calgary Flames, the back and forth between the two. And as a politician, if you're from like Southern Alberta, you have to root for the Flames. If you're from Northern Alberta, you have to root for Edmonton. But if you're an Edmonton MLA and only the flames gets into the Stanley cup playoffs. Can you root for the flames or does that look like you're not for Edmonton anymore? So it's very political of how you have to actually endorse sports teams as well. Sometimes it, it's true. Unfortunately, the similarities go the other way too much too. like people treat politics. Like it's a, like it's a sport and it's like, whatever your team does is cool and whatever the other team does is bullshit. And like, as long as you win, it's okay. And it's like, that's not like what that was supposed to be. Like you're supposed to, uh, you know, hold. And in fact, we're actually more critical of the teams that we love than you are of the party that you vote for. Right. Like you see people all I will the disagree time. With that. Like, What's that? I will disagree with that. If we want to start this, like we're about five minutes into this and I will disagree with what the host just said. And I never, really? I never, so you left, think yeah. people are like, no problem. Like the, I stand with Trudeau crowd or like the, we're better off with Rachel crowd. Like they would have no problem criticizing Trudeau or Notley. Oh, okay. I misunderstood what you said. I do apologize then. Because That's I was okay. going to say, the, the liberals have, they don't have a tendency to criticize anything that the liberals do and the conservatives don't either. Well, conservatives, as we saw this week, do have a have an ability to actually criticize their leader and turf them if they don't like them. But I, Absolutely. I find that- I just mean yeah, like, I, I miss, you're more miss, likely to uh, be like, call your, like the coach of your team or your, like the, it's best, a fucking bum than you are, <laughs> than you are to uh, hold your own- leader it to account when they're in power right like this we all i just think both sides are very guilty of that in politics where it's like once your guy's in or gal is in you kind of just like tur like whatever they yeah there's a reason for everything right like you know with with trudeau there's a there's a jurisdictional excuse to why we don't have pharmacare okay yeah, guys yeah. So, sorry we can't do this thing we promised because, and like I, uh, it's not in our jurisdiction. It was really funny this week speaking of the border protests at Coots and all of this because if you looked like eventually uh Jagmeet Singh chimed in about how like it needs to end and immediately the like Trudeau lover like supporters like showed up to be like uh the RCMP are handling it. Why don't you just stay to your own? And it's like eight, any other Eight seconds ago, you were on some other thread going, 
why doesn't the RCMP do something about this? Or what? We got to end this. And it's like, this guy comes on and he's on your side. He's like, this fucking border protest is bad. We need to do, government needs to do something about it. And immediate, everyone's like, uh, this isn't Trudeau's fault. And it's like, holy shit, guys. Nothing is ever his fault. It's actually amazing. Like, can we set down the jersey of the team we cheer for for five fucking seconds and have a conversation about what actually matters? Like, just put people and our needs first and stop bootlicking for a fucking political party. I don't care which one it is. Just stop. Stop. They're, none of them are fucking perfect. Anyways, we got off track there. I want to hear about your journalism <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? I said we can't do that because if we we start listening to the other side, dear God, we're weak, and that would just be a, like the end of any political career. So, well, yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> sorry, I, if I if I gave the impression that we should listen to the other side, quote unquote, when it comes to some of these issues, I don't. But I do really? think that I do think we should start to uh, hold our own leaders and the people we uh, cheer for in politics to a higher account than we tend to but anyway um back to your your life because you so you had this i think a lot of people that are in journalism or in politics can kind of like go back and forth between the two but is that sort of how you ended up in journalism was like through your political interests uh yes and no it's a weird story and it's a long story so buckle in actually i can make it i can give you the 15 second soundbite if you want but i don't want 15 second sound bites we stole your idea i wanted to come on and be like this guy stole our format but we totally started a year after you so we we totally ripped you off but anyway yeah, but you guys had more listeners the first year. So uh, like we were some rinky dink from Slave Lake, Alberta. So I can imagine. But anyway, back to the story of how I got into journalism. Um, so that 1990 election happened. I was in, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed listening and watching the results come in. Uh, the 1993 uh, John Cretchen landslide win. I think a lot of people who were born in the 80s remembered that as their first election. And I remember watching it and going, wow, and listening to some of the reporters, because we did have good reporters back in the 90s. And I say that knowing that there's some people out there saying, no, we didn't, they all sucked. Understandable, whatever. I think we did have good journalists back then. And I, it, politics kept on creeping up in my life. Uh, election after election, Mike Harris in 95, so on and so forth. So in at the in Ontario, there's OAC grade 12, right? I was that last class that got to go to the OAC, which is grade 13. And you had to choose where you're going to go. And my father said, you're going to business school. And I said, fuck you, I'm going to journalism school. And I said, why? And he said, I don't know, because you want me to go to business school. So uh I decided I needed to go somewhere that was far enough away, but close enough that I could actually still come back on weekends to get my laundry done for my mother. So I went to Lloyd, uh, Lloyd Minster. I went to Loyalist College, Belleville, Ontario. Uh, so I did that for a year. Then I went off to Queen's University where I went to political science because I thought <laughs> journalism's not gonna take me anywhere. So I went off to uh, political science at Queen's University, did that for four years and I went, okay, Literally, Ontario is the worst place to enter politics because unless you know someone downtown Toronto, you ain't getting in. 
So I thought to myself, okay, this basically gives me nothing. So what am I going to do? Go back to journalism school, finish that off. And then I got a job in politics right afterwards, which is ironic because I went to journalism school to become a journalist and I got into the uh, field that I wanted to get into. So what was that gig, the first political job then? Uh, Leona Dombrowski's uh, communi deputy communications person in Prince Edward Hastings. So the former minister of agriculture for the Ontario government, the former minister of education for the Ontario government. Anyone in Ontario remembers her as the person who introduced sex education to kindergartens, because at that time, Dalton McGinty wanted to introduce people to this is a gender, this is a male, this is a female, and the religious right. <clears throat> Uh, there was a massive implosion of that. That election, I became. Don't wouldn't those people <laughs> like to go back in time to that day now, though? Where we're yeah, I was going to say this is a boy and this is a girl. They'd shit their pants with G with joy. Oh, exactly. So we so that the 2000. I just want to make sure I got this right here. 2011 Ontario election in October. The Liberals were turfed from office. Well, not turfed from office, turfed from a majority to a minority, a major majority as, a major minority, sorry, as Dalton McGinty said on election eve. And our faithful MPP lost her seat. And the day after I became redundant as the, the staffer who told me, you are no longer needed. Your position has become redundant. So I started looking for a new job and that's where the Orno Weekly Times came in. So in 2011, I started working for my hometown local newspaper of Orno Weekly Times as their freelance reporter, which was earning $40 an article, flat $40, wow. no matter what you made. I so mean, working, <laughs> yeah. You could, you could uh, do like a 2000 word investigation and it's still like, here's 40 bucks. Yep. <laughs> I, free, I freelanced full time from like, early 2009 to late 2010 and uh yeah there's some there's 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 some decent money out there there's actually some really good money for freelancing out there but back there was places if i wrote anything for the company i now work for it was 50 dollars flat rate no matter what now we pay they pay 75 now but it's still well and i sh i should say weak. that I got my chops going there, right? I, I, you don't like, you can't just randomly pick up a pen and start writing, expect to be like freaking Andrew Coyne or Chantal Lebert. Like you have to start somewhere. So I give credit to the Orno Weekly Times for giving me even a start of doing that, right? Because I was just out of Queens Park. I was a political pariah because people don't usually like to hire former staffers as reporters. So here I was and Marg Zwartz, my editor, who's no longer there with the paper, she hired me sort of because their then freelance reporter had gone away and was sick. So I was sort of looking for a job and that's how I became a journalist again. And I enjoyed it because I rose from freelance reporter to desk assignment to assistant editor all within a year and a half. So now when we talked the other day, you mentioned you had applied for a few jobs in, and like we're talking about like, I think the Yukon was one. And so my journey out to Alberta, Ooh, this is a fun story. So uh, it, making $40 a week or $80 a week, depending on how many stories you had for an eight page paper, because the Orno Weekly Times was like a massive paper would be 12 pages. And you're like, yes, we got 12 pages. We're so excited. So we 
after doing that from 2011 to 2012 in uh, 2013 sorry in August of 2013 I said okay I need something more I'm enjoying writing for newspapers I really do enjoy it and I enjoy the conversation between people who we've had the ability to chat with and I said okay I need to find something else I didn't tell the editor at the time Marg and I said okay I'm gonna apply for three jobs because Jeff Galen I think there's that website still out there where you can go online and find the uh, you're you're all muted right now. Jeff Gollin, <laughs> Gollin, there you go. Yeah, so, Gollin. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I'm very. Familiar. I was saying it too. I was melting it while I'm muted. We're trying to do. Mo's Mo's really on us for being muted when we're not talking, and now I'm like we're habitually like idiots over here. Anyways, go ahead. So I went. I found that website in I think the summer of 2013. I thought, okay, well, there's some jobs out there. I'll start applying, but I wasn't really like actively looking and then in august that's when i went okay enough's enough i need to start actually pulling my weight because you can only like lose money so much and you can see your savings go down before you start getting worried so i i, I took a look at the web page at the last week of august like right before that labor day weekend and there was three jobs only three jobs that were on that page that i was potentially even in the realm of being able to apply for so that was uh, one in Thunder Bay, one in the Yukon, and then one in Lloydminster, Alberta, Saskatchewan. Now, I knew the Yukon. I knew Thunder Bay, pretty like well-known cities in Ontario or areas in Ontario. Yukon's not, but you know of the Yukon because it's the capital. Lloydminster, I had no idea. I wasn't prepared to even think like this was an option for me. But I said to myself when I was applying, whoever called me and offered me a job first, no matter what, no matter where it was, I was taking it. I applied on Friday, got the call on the Tuesday because the Monday was the holiday. Hey, can we have an interview with you? And I said, when do you want it? How about tomorrow? I said, sure. So the Wednesday, the interview, they offered me the job Thursday morning. And they said, when can you come out? When do you need me? And they said, well, how quick as turnaround? I said, next Friday, I'll be there. So I packed up my entire life in the back of my old 2004 Lumina. And I drove through Northern Ontario, which if you've ever done that drive, you know how fun it is in the middle of the night. And I got there a week later and I was the reporter starting on the 13th of September. So that was where you did. Uh, that's the Meridian Boosters, is that what the papers call it? Well, the Lloydminster source was the, like, so, okay. The Meridian Booster was the original paper from, uh, I think it's Post, if I'm not mistaken. It was Sun. Sun owned it. Uh, and the the issue was the editor or the publisher of the Lloydminster source's father started the Meridian Booster, booster and then sold it to Sun Media or whoever it was at the time. And then Quebec after they're not... Yeah, after their non-compete clause ended, he started his own paper, the Lloydminster Source. So the Meridian Booster would come out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the Lloydminster Source would come out Tuesday and Thursday. So we became the we I was I got hired as the Lloydminster Source reporter. Got there after I left, uh, Lloydminster Source bought the Meridian Booster back, and they became the Meridian Source. How long were you living in Lloyd Minster before you realized it wasn't Lloyd Minister? Because that's everybody's coming of age with that place. They're like, what? About two days in after I went to the mayor and I said that, and he said, that's not the name. I was like, ah. <laughs> to the mayor too. <laughs> oh, you've been, yeah. you've been because so when I, about it. 
Because when I when I got to Lloyd Minster, they were in the midst of a by-election because the former mayor had resigned and the new deputy mayor was running for uh, like the permanent position. So I was interviewing all these like candidates and they're like, yeah, you're saying it wrong. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, no. I just, gonna, I just, I just got here, okay? Away. Yeah, I'm from See, Ontario. See, when, when I moved to Calgary, I was conflicted because living in medicine, all the people from nope, Saskatchewan. You still say it wrong. There, call it Calgary. He still says medicine oh, hat wrong. Medicine hat. There, that's better. What? What? He always People says say medicine, medicine hat, but it's really medicine hat. And it's like, it's, you can I don't hear, hear a difference. Yeah, you can only hear it if you live here. It's but our it's Ontario brains. You emphasize the hat, not the medicine. Oh, okay. So it's that's medicine okay. hat. But hold on, it's, it's Calgary. Hat. And I know it sounds the same to people, but once you get living here, it's like definitely like Calgary and Calgary. Like no one says Calgary that lives there. Well, like I did for the first few months when I started was when I was doing the podcast and my husband got really nasty emails and uh, direct messages on his Twitter. Your husband's saying Calgary wrong. He's saying it Calgary. It's like, whoa, you can message me. You know that, right? Like That's you don't amazing. need to go to the husband. <laughs> That's amazing. So to move so, along a little bit, because you were at the source for about a year and a half before you ended up in the town of Slave Lake. And I want to, I want listeners to hear the story. Are, are we talking about that today where uh, the Pat Red I'm letter? An open, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm All right. Okay. So <laughs> our listeners might remember that UCP MLA Pat Wren was, uh, I believe he was dropped from caucus for a while. He's back, I think now. Welcome back into the fold. But um in response right after, to yeah. in response to a letter from the city council signed by all the councillors uh and the mayor um a letter saying like this guy is never here he's basically like uh useless he's in us. red deer he's in texas he's not yeah. giving us proper representation this letter came uh a year and a bit after pat wren was sworn into office and Pat Wren was a dark horse when he announced his uh, intentions to run for the UCP up in Slave Lake because he said, oh, I have I have a property up in Wabasca. I have businesses, business interests up in the Slave Lake area. So I'd be the perfect UCP MLA. But in reality, he was only renting a house in Slave Lake and he was actually living in Red Deer with his family, his two sons, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that understandable in in Canadian politics, you do not have to live where you run. In the last federal election, we had someone from Thunder Bay run for the Conservative Party up in Northwest Territories. Understandable and probably not the best thing, but you can do that. Pat Wren defeated Danielle Larravee. Editorial note, I ran Danielle Larravee's campaign in 2015. I was the campaign manager for that campaign. So that's just editorial note. She's running again. uh, She just announced, she just announced that she's running for the nomination again. So Pat Wren became sort of a like unknown person after that election when he won because no one knew who the hell he was. When council would sit down with him, he would never be prepared or never remember what they were looking for because they would say, hey, we need uh, tourism dollars because we're really trying to do economic development around tourism. Pat Wren did not care, was not there. He was down in Edmonton and he was claiming expenses that were inappropriate, but he, according to him, were signed off by his CA. Any MLA knows that you have to sign off on them. Your CA does not. So early 2020, the... 
uh, council said enough's enough. We're done with this. We can't deal with this. Called for the resignation. They asked us to write up a letter. They wrote up a letter and we didn't expect it to be that big of news. <laughs> we did because anyone with their brain can realize sure. that if you yeah. call for a resignation, you're going to get some big news. Um, at that time, one of the counselors is like good friends with Ryan Jesperson. So it was leaked to Ryan Jesperson. So Jesperson knew about this. It was coming. It was like, oh, something's coming on the radar. It's like, you know what's coming. Just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, <laughs> like, tease, gotta tease the real talk. Exactly. Because we have a special guest showing up tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Um, so we wrote the letter expecting, and I say we, I, I, I was the, like, I'm the communications person. So I'm writing it. The council has to approve it. Went through a few drafts. We put it out. Council members were majority in favor of it. There were some that weren't fully because there are some members of that council who are, to put it lightly, very strong UCP supporters. If you look at the father of a certain councillor, Ferguson, on uh, Slave Lake Council, he was the former finance person for the UCP. He backed Jason Kenney. They were very big in the Jason Kenney fan, uh, fan base. So this letter comes out and Pat Wren basically takes his walk in the snow and leaves, but he says, I'm not resigning. I'm going to stay on. I'll be an independent MLA. I've never not lived here. I live in Slave Lake. It's all basically bullshit. Pardon my French. And Jason Kenney says, Pat Wren's not going to be uh, welcome back in the UCP. He's not going to be able to run for the UCP nomination again. A few months later, Pat Wren gets welcomed back after Todd Lowe and Drew Barnes get kicked out because they can't have three independent MLAs because they can join the caucus and become a party. And they, that's what Jason Kenney does not need, especially with the potential of Brian Jean coming back into politics. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm talking a lot. I apologize. No, but that's what we do on this show. That's what, that's what we like. So, now I, I'm trying to do linear here because I, uh, so while you were in, it was while you were in Slave Lake um, and you said, I believe July, 2020. So the pandemic's begun, all this is going on. And then how, what, what was the first sign that you were uh, maybe, maybe sick or not feeling well? Um. It actually all came. So in 2020, I was living down here in uh, Calgary, Calgary, um, but I was driving <laughs> back and forth to Slave Lake. So I, we had bought a house in 2019. So I'd lived here, but I fully lived here in October of 2019 because uh, I, I left the job. I became an independent contractor and I worked back and forth. So I drive up to Slave Lake, come down here. Uh, we negotiated a good deal for the town of Slave Lake to reduce their costs, but also save me money as well, because as a business, you can expense a lot of things compared to as an independent person. So in 2019, my husband says, I need to go to the optometrist. We need to go. And I said, okay, well, like, that's not that bad. Let's go to the optometrist. I've never been to the optometrist in probably about 25 years. Like it just, I went as a kid and I thought my eyesight was good. You never think anything's bad. We get to the optometrist here in Calgary and I go, well, I'm here. Let's, let's set up an appointment. What's the worst that can happen? I set up an appointment with the optometrist and a week later, I go back in and they do the tests. They check your eyes. I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. We need to send you to a specialist. I'm like, okay, send me to a specialist. This is, this is 2019 still. 
sends sends me to a specialist, checks my eyes. They're like, you need glasses. You have like bad vision, like really bad vision. You should not be driving bad vision. Like uh, when I'm driving at night, the oncoming lights really affects me and it really blurs my light. So I, they took away my license for nighttime driving. So from dusk to dawn, I wasn't able to drive. Awesome, which for me sucked because I was living in Calgary and I had to drive back and forth to Slave Lake and sometimes I drove in the night, but I couldn't do that anymore. You get your glasses. I'm not sure if you both have glasses before. You, you have to go back a few weeks later just to make sure the prescription's working, make sure everything's like fitting okay, glasses. They did a follow-up test. My eyesight had changed dramatically where they had to change my, uh, my lenses because of that's how bad my vision had gone. So within a month's time, my vision was getting progressively worse. Okay. At this exact same time, they take away my glasses. I drive up to Slave Lake in the day. I still had an apartment up there. I go for a walk with my dog and I start bleeding from my eyes. Like literally bleeding from my eyes. Like most people cry, I was bleeding from my eyes. Holy I get rushed fuck. to the hospital. Yeah, I get rushed to the hospital. And then they put me into the hospital at the Royal Alex. Is that the big one in Edmonton downtown? I think if I'm not mistaken. So I, I'm there for a day because while they're doing a test on me, I have an epileptic seizure basically in the middle of the hospital and they have to keep me overnight. This gets like, this is not pandemic. So people were coming and going. So I'm there overnight, they discharge me and they say, we can't figure out what's wrong with you. They think it's meningitis. So that's what I'm like, in my mind, I have meningitis, which if you know what meningitis is, it's a deliberate, like it is like goodbye, Chris Brown. So they send me down to the Rocky View Hospital down here at uh, Calgary for some more tests. That's where they take out my eye to see what's wrong. They can't find anything. They, they, they're, they're, they're like, they're, they're trying everything to try and figure out what's wrong with me. Finally, a doctor says, have we like actually checked his brain? Like, have we done an MRI? Have we done a PT scan? Have we done like scans of his actual cranium? The doctor's like, no. So they send me in and that's when they see little spots on my occipital lobe. Yeah, I just want to make sure because it grows to my temporal lobe later. So I'm in my occipital lobe, which is what controls your vision. There's cancer cells growing, tumors growing on my fucking brain. So at that time, and that was July 25th when the doctor came in and told me, um, sorry to say this, but uh, we've discovered cancer. Uh, we're going to try and get you in because this is the middle of the pandemic. So a lot of things had to be stopped or pushed away this is like the first year of the pandemic not a lot of people know what's going on so here i was now dealing with cancer during a pandemic and i was scared shitless yeah like i mean it's hard to i mean i'm sure you've probably talked about this a few times since but just in that moment because like the roller coaster of everything that you're going through throughout that period and like, on one hand, you think you have meningitis, which is horrifying. And then you find out you don't have meningitis, but it's still horrifying. Yeah. What were those first sort of few days like? Because I, it must have just been like the internal processing. Like I 
I mean, we can't empathize at all, right? It's one of those things where you, I don't think you can even understand until you're facing yeah. it. Um, so it was my birthday. So two years ago on my birthday, my 34th birthday, I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, it is the hardest thing that anyone said, had, has ever said to me. And I would not wish it upon anyone. Being my birthday, I had people come down from Slave Lake to Calgary for that weekend to have sort of a games night because I'm a big gamer. I love board games. I love sitting down and just like relaxing and enjoying a good board game. So I had to fake it. So I wanted to like curl up in a ball in my room and not do anything. I wanted to just sit there and not do anything. But I knew if I did that, it would probably hurt me even further. So what I did, I decided that I was going to go about my day the same way that I've been going and just try to put it to the back of my head. And you can't. Uh, those first few hours after I got home from the hospital, I wanted to scream, yet again, I couldn't. Uh, my friends left on the Saturday, the Sunday, because my birthday was the Saturday. My, uh, my birthday was the Saturday and the Sunday that my friends left. My husband was flying at the time because he had lost the election. He went back to Air Canada, so he was flying. So my husband left Sunday morning to go fly to, I, I don't know exactly where, but he went, he left. So it was just me in the house with my thoughts for two days. And the depression, the anger, the frustration, the unknown. But then it hit me. I now know what it is. I, I've been dealing with this like eyes. I've been dealing with my sight. But now I know what it is. And the two days of wallowing didn't accomplish anything. But now I knew what it was. And I knew that I could potentially... We could fix it, hopefully, knock on wood. So there was no point in me sitting and screaming and crying and being completely depressed because I knew that our healthcare system was hopefully going to take care of it. Now, you talk about the, you know, being able to fix it. What was that original? Did they give you like a prognosis when they first talked to you? Did they say, like, hey, we've caught this early and we can we think we can deal with this? So the first steps is uh, biopsy, right? They have to try and figure out what type of cancer it is and try to go from there, right? So biopsy was first on the table. So in August, I had a shitload of tests. I had blood tests. I had everything done to me and it was probably the most invasive month of my life. And I, like I said, going to the hospital every day is a sad state of affairs. Uh, my fam my my, my in-laws and my husband's side of the family has dealt with the Tom Baker Cancer Center on a regular basis because cancer does run in the family. I should I say that like not jokingly, but he they they have gone to the Tom Baker uh, a lot. Seeing my family members come with me to the hospital is the most troubling sign I've ever seen my husband because they're pushed back because they've had someone die from brain cancer as well so now everything that they're dealing with is coming back to them now to your original statement of what the prognosis was they had to do a biopsy so they did a biopsy and they bring me back in the middle of august and said we need to get you in for chemo and radiation as soon as possible because this thing is growing and it's growing at a speed that we're we're concerned about so in september september 23rd if i'm not mistaken i didn't didn't have that number were in front of me when, when I uh, when I did my notes, uh, 
I started radiation and if you've had radiation, you know what I'm about to say. It fucking destroys you. Chemo destroys you. The day in, day out, Monday to Friday, it kills you because you are being pumped full of toxins. You're being pumped full of radiation. You cannot keep things down. You cannot be there's no positive to radiation, right? As much as you're like, hey, it's fixing it. There's no positive to It's like this burning treatment. it out of you, basically. Exactly. Right? So July, sorry, September, October, November, December, I have radiation chemo. I'm off for parts of December. I'm back in January. January, February, I have radiation as well. So now we're in 2021. March 13th was my surgery. I'm going through this while working, right? Because as an independent contractor, you have to do both. You can't, you can't just be like, oh, I, I got to take sick leave or um, uh, uh, like long-term disability because if you do not work, you do not get paid. So I was working on, on the same time as this. And as I told uh, Scott before the interview started, as a recovering narcotic user, I don't take drugs. I try not to take as any drugs as possible, right? I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovered drug user. So I don't do that. When they were offering me drugs, I said, I can't because I know if I do, it's going to be a slippery slope and I'm going to potentially go back to my ways of using and abusing. I do not want to do that. So I'm doing this all basically with tea and milk because that's all I could basically keep down and cheese because for some reason cheese was the only thing that I could keep down that was solid so my diet for five months was cheese milk and pumpkin pie puree those were the things that I went to oh I know the weirdest things <laughs> you have to you have to eat what you can eat sure because yeah. if everything else is coming up you have to eat it so in March I'm going in for my first surgery where they're going to go and take it out a few weeks before the surgery date, I'm telling Slave Lake, hey, I'm going to be going on leave here. I'm like, I need to take at least two, three weeks off after surgery because I'm not sure if, what my recovery time is going to be. I'm starting to prepare everyone. March 7th, March 7th, yes. March, the first week of March, right? Like a week before my surgery. I get a call from the CAO. They're passing the budget and you've, your contract is being terminated because your cancer treatments are being, are being too, uh, what's the word I want to use here? They're being, uh, um, Isn't like you're, a hindrance? You're, yeah, the hindrance. Thank you. A hindrance to your job performance because you're not able to give us the appropriate time that we require. And I'm sitting here going, what have I not done? What have I not done? I'm literally going through cancer treatments and you're firing me because my cancer treatments are taking too much time away from you. Tell me what I've dropped. If you can lay out in the middle of a pandemic when you've told me not to come to Slave Lake, in the middle of a pandemic, you're telling me that my job performance has suffered because me going back and forth to the cancer center? Sorry, but, and I was pissed, royally pissed because at the end of my contract, which 
in their contract it says you have to give us me at least a month the last day during a council meeting the town of slave lake mayor goes we want to thank chris for everything he's done i'm like fuck you you asshole you fucking fired me for fucking cancer treatments and you want to fucking suck up to me go fuck a duck tyler warren and, and, and because you're an independent contract and not an employee of the town of slave lake they can they, do whatever they, the fuck they, can they do want whatever the fuck they want and they don't yeah. oh. have to there's no severance there's no like Lottie, there's nothing. But oh, so they refused to pay me my last bill. They did not pay what? me my last bill, so they still owe me fucking money, but they won't give it to me. Fuck you. And here's the other thing. Here's the fucking like. Jason Kenny came to Tyler Warman's house during the nomination battle and asked him to run. Tyler Warman's going to run for the UCP nomination in the next general election. I'm putting money on it right now. He was boasting about it. The only reason he didn't is because his kids were too young and that was four years ago. Now they're older. He can run. I'm putting my money on it. Tyler Warman runs for the UCP nomination in the riding of Lester Slave Lake in the next election. Well, go Danielle then. <laughs> I mean... Amen to that, brother. But I, before I went into the abyss there i think i was just gonna talk about the absurd it gets like it's so absurdly awful like that's what i can't wrap like it's and it's not the only you hear stories about this all the time and it's like just this cold-heartedness of the way uh certain people go about business just makes me fucking crazy but you have that happen so how do you like how do you go from like just at a 10 in anger to like all right fuck you i'm going to start this i'm going to Did you remember that in a week's time you have a surgery I'm doing killer Did you remember that life is too short to hold grudges because my life at that time i didn't know what up and down was i didn't know what the surgery would unfold because i could go in and i could potentially not come out the, the, the idea that I might not remember who things were or not be able to use my left eye and be able to drive anymore scared the fuck out of me. So yes, I was pissed off and I still am, as you can tell, as, you, as your listeners can tell, I'm still yeah. kind of pissed off about what happened, but... Rightly so. If they're that Yeah, petty, pretty hard to forgive that, that. Exactly. If they're fucking that small, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. And if they want to sue me, go. Let's see them. Oh my god, imagine the they're not that stupid. They can't be that fucking stupid. I mean, they're not gonna off it's... the record. We'll tell we'll talk about some things afterwards if you want about how municipal government works in rural Alberta, north and rural Alberta. Well, I have a feeling it runs well, much the same in some of our smaller urban centers too, but I, well, I... yeah. I mean, I, I lived in Whitecourt uh for six months as Ooh. as we talked about on uh um your podcast chris and so i i I very much uh what you're saying resonates with me um but i i mean we've got so much talk not a lot about (laughs) like an hour in already not a lot of time um but i i I guess this would be probably a good pivot to talk about uh your own experience in politics so my own experience in politics, the good federal election of 2015, Chris Brown thought it would be a smart idea to run for the Liberal Party of Canada in Northern Alberta. That was a fucking starter if I've ever said so. I'm sure. I'm which, sure speaking you, of White Court, uh, <laughs> your, your opponent. Um, Peace River Westlocks MP Arnold Viersen. 
Good old Arnie. Do, do you against know this guy, Scott? What? Do you know this guy, Scott? Uh, no, I, I can't. Like, I mean, I, the name reigns true, but I can't. I don't know anything about the guy. Okay, other... So this guy, this guy uh, asked an NDP MP if she's ever considered a career in sex work in the in, in Parliament. In the um, comments. Yeah, he made a okay. That's vid- the okay. I have. I did remember that story. Yeah. What else did he do? Uh, he made a rap video uh, for the, uh, what was it, 20, 2016 conservative leadership race? 2017. 2017. Yeah, and you got to see it to believe it. Was it better than That's Why Jesus Christ is My... Uh, Have you seen yeah. that one? The the, rap, the Christian rap where, they get, where the he, guy says the guy says the N-word like six different times? He Uh-oh. does not say the N-word. I, I guess to his credit but um uh he also he also signed the buffalo declaration uh along with the the shithead who among us didn't yeah but this so this so i i ran against him in 2015 and i i knew that i was not going to win because within the like 10 seconds after the nomination meeting the uh person who was from the party the liberal party walked up to me and said don't expect any funding don't expect any leadership help. Do not expect any money coming into your riding because we do not expect to win this riding. So at that point in time, I went, oh, so I just took a leave of absence from my job. And you've just told me that I shouldn't basically do anything, which is to their credit, because about three weeks later, I was one of the 2015 social media candidates who had their social media pass drug up and blasted on social media for saying something inappropriate in the past which is understandable i did say something inappropriate and i do apologize immensely for that but i was one of those candidates do we get to know what you said uh so in 2010 after sorry in 2009 i apologize 2009 my partner passed away from a drunk driver at that time his mother refused to let me go to the funeral because dear god her her son being a homosexual was the worst thing in the world so this is why I'm a recovering alcoholic. I took the bottle really hard and I shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun of that because honestly, it's no excuse for what I've said and what I did, but I went on social media and I said, what happens when your mother's a bitch and all that. And at that time I was dealing with construction workers and I called construction workers and I said, why, why is there so much construction on the 407, 401? I mean, so I, I said some very inappropriate things. If you want, you can find the exact transcript. Uh, if you Google Chris Brown, Peace River, Westlock, liberal candidate, and it will be there. <laughs> for all of you to see yeah we'll, we'll yeah. link to it in the show notes. <laughs> there you go so uh i sort of had to take a back seat to politics i got about 24 hours where i was told not to do anything because within 24 hours the liberal candidate for surrey white rock came out and said while pregnant women can smoke marijuana it's okay and that became the big scandal because mine became nothing and the, the liberal candidate saying smoking pot while pregnant is okay became the worst thing. So mine was a blip on the radar compared to what other things. Well, and at I, the same time, the conservatives were going through the whole P gate where one of their candidates in Toronto was found on a security camera peeing oh, into a yeah. glass cup and putting it into <laughs> their kitchen sink as a Canadian contractor. heritage moment. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, we've all been drunk anyway. Well, yeah. So, so you but, so you didn't win, and you stopped doing politics. Whoa, whoa! I didn't win. Yeah. Fuck. 
I'd be losing out on that paycheck. Shocker. Um, no. You can do your research. Win. He's the liberal MP for uh, for Peace <laughs> River Westlock. West <laughs> so uh, yeah, I uh, so I decided that I wasn't going to get into politics anymore, and that was 2015. Uh, and then three years later, I met my husband, and I'm now in Calgary. And tell tell us a bit about that. How do you how do you and Ricardo meet? So to, I'm going to burst a lot of people's bubbles right now. What's on Wikipedia is not the truth. Sometimes people can edit things and put things out there that are not factually correct. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> Maybe it was Arnold Viersen. That's fake news, folks. Wikipedia is the number one source for post-media newspapers. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> So, uh, it, so in 2018, at the beginning of the year, I just broken up with my partner uh, who was living in Abbotsford, and I thought, okay, I, I'm done with Alberta. I'm done. I, I gave it five years, and I'm going to leave and go back to Ontario or potentially go find another job. And I did the exact same thing I did with when I moved out to Alberta. I applied for jobs, and whoever hired me first, I would move out. Uh, so this was May, June. In July... Uh, the then Minister of Culture and Tourism and Francophone Affairs and uh, uh, Sports, uh, Ricardo Miranda, my then now husband, uh, was coming up to Slave Lake to tour the area with Daniel Larravee, the minister and the MLA for the local area. I met him at a party fundraiser because I was like, okay, I'll go and I'll just enjoy myself. We went for coffee that night and we... I, I didn't expect anything. It was just, I thought it was a minister meeting with the local like constituents and all that. So that was that. And I was on my way back to Halifax because I was offered a job in Annapolis, uh, Nova Scotia. So I was on my way to move to Halifax. I, I got to Ontario because that's where my family's from. I got to Newcastle, Ontario, where my family lives. And I thought to myself, I don't know what I should do. Should I stick around? Because we had met one more time and on an actual date before I left for Ontario in Edmonton. I thought, okay, is this just a one-time thing? Is like, am I just going to go back? So I went out to Halifax to sign in the papers and I got to Halifax and it didn't feel right. So I, I turned them down. It was a better job. It was a great job. And I turned the, the, the town down and I flew back to Alberta thinking, okay, Let's see where this uh, relationship potentially goes with the minister. Two months later, uh, October, so August, September, we had been back and forth. He'd come up to Faust. I went down to Calgary. And then October 27th, the second night of the NDP convention, I proposed to him because we had jokingly said that it was going to happen sometime. But I told him I wanted to propose to him. So the 27th, I proposed to him. And then two months later, we were married. A whirlwind of a relationship of five months. Politics. I mean, he's pretty dreamy. I can understand why you're like, fuck Halifax. I mean, he's no, he's no David Kahn, <laughs> but he's, he's a good looking guy. Sorry, I have a... Hey. I, David Kahn is a friend of the show and I've had a long, a long time crush on David. Anyway, it's fine. Aww. My wife knows we're cool that way so at the very least i want to talk about cross-border interviews because um obviously um the show you started the show before 
you, you found out that you had cancer, but since uh, the diagnosis has sort of become, well, it really has become your full-time job almost out of necessity and whatnot. Um, but it's, it, you've really built up quite an audience. Uh, uh, the, your reach is really quite impressive. Um, it puts us to shame for sure. But uh, just can we, we talk about the show a little bit and initially, why did you start it? And uh, we'll go from there. So initially why I started this, and I'll do this in the quick uh, because I know you're uh, time-wise here. Um, as a former journalist, I hate it scrumming with former uh, other journalists. Hate it with a passion. Despise it. I think it's the worst thing that reporters can do. Because there's always that one reporter who sits there and goes with their microphone, not listening to what's actually being said and just recording the scrum and then walking away and using the information. So originally... Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. the original idea of the show was to get away from that and have just a one-on-one -on -one conversation where it's just traditionally in newspapers, you have that end of year one-on-one -on -one conversation with the mayor, with the MP, with the MLA to talk about what's going on. How's your last year been? But I thought, why are we doing that just once a year? Why can't we do that throughout the year? So originally when I, when I launched it, I thought, okay, we're going to have that conversation, but we're going to have it throughout the year and we're going to do it once a week. Now, I didn't expect people to listen. <laughs> I think when you do a podcast, you're like, it's going to have like five people listen. It's going to be my parents and my husband and myself and the guest. People listened. Now, the first few episodes were very bad quality. If you do want to listen to my show, we know please nothing start about like season that. two. Season two, if you want to start listening to my show. Remember um, when I couldn't figure out how to plug my mic in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do. People have. Uh, well, our first uh, several episodes were lesser than let's just say we get it yeah so i so we we did this i i started this and i, I said who's gonna be the first guest well who's the easiest person you can get is your partner right <laughs> come on the show and as the former minister why not and because of all these former mlas who had been to my wedding i started calling in my husband's favors without him knowing hey remember when you did this come on my show we'll talk about it what i found interesting was people say yes a lot if you ask them, people will say yes. They will actually openly just come on your show if you ask them. So the first few episodes, I was reaching out to people and saying, well, come on my show? Sure. Okay. And it, it really didn't hit me that I was doing something until the leadership race of 2020 for the Green Party of Canada, which was won by Annamie Paul. I thought, well, all they can say is no. The worst anyone can say to me is no. And I've had a few of those. And <laughs> there are people who attack me for blocking a certain person for coming on the show, but that's here nor there. Um, I, I, I started reaching out to people and they kind of started saying yes. And then I said, well, I have this little show. People are listening now. People are actually paying attention. Why not do a little bit larger? So I reached out to the former prime minister, Kim Campbell, said, can you come on my show? She said, yes. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are people <laughs> saying yes to me? So I was having all these conversations. And then in 2021, the municipal campaign, I had just moved to the city. I was literally struggling with brain cancer. I didn't know where I was laying my vote, which Jeremy knows if he's listened to our, our, my episode with Jeremy, I don't vote for candidates. I, I seldom, I only vote for myself. Because as a journalist, I feel like I just can't cover them properly. And Jeremy and I went into that on a rant for a few minutes. But um, I started reaching out to the municipal campaigns, the municipal candidates in the Calgary election. And they were all saying yes. 
And I don't know what that was all about. Was it they were okay with just coming on the show, but people wanted to come on my show. CBC did an article after I started doing the debates, which I was doing some of the forums. CBC did an article. And then all the candidates who I'd reached out to previously who didn't get back to me was like, hey, can I come on your show? It's like, <laughs> dude, did you not check your email like in January when you fucking applied for the position? Why didn't you get back to me now? Now that I'm the cancer guy, cancer podcast guy, you want to come on the show? So that's the tidbit of yeah no those debates were 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 really good i mean that's how you came on my radar right and i started live tweeting a couple of them because i mean everyone focuses on the 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 mayoral debates not i mean fair enough but um as a result a lot of the local debates are sort of left by the wayside so uh i uh you provide a valuable resource there in covering the uh, municipal election, uh, especially the one-on-one debate for Ward 6, because you could only get Putmans and Bentley to show up, who, anyways, those were the, I mean, essentially a two, two-way race between them, um, I thought was uh, very valuable. I never have received so much hate mail than after my uh, debate in Ward 12. I'm just putting that out there. We had a candidate in Ward 12 who uh, is very, uh, there's a, he's a lightning rod from the left and the right. So the the attacks of why did you have him on? And then the attacks of why didn't you give him more time? I was like, host your own goddamn fucking debate if you want to fucking complain. Like I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart and kind of, yes, I'm making money off this as well. But if you don't like something, you don't have to tune in. You do not have to tune into my show. If you don't like it, you don't have to follow. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think that we're underestimating people's the dopamine they get from anger or something. Because, like, I I just think people like to hate watch and hate read, and they like to. I they don't want like I have very very few uh, sort of haters that really say so regarding my column that I write but it's the same sort of very small group who I do hear from from time and it's like you knew two and a half years ago to not read like you not you don't agree with it so don't read it but you read it keep coming back though well you read it because you want to be pissed off at me you want to be like that guy's a fucking idiot and I mean it makes you feel better to tell me so every six months it's cool I don't mind (laughs) like but how, was that really hard to deal with? Like, you seem like the kind of guy that's sort of like, ah, eh, fuck them if they can't take a joke anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, like. Oh, oh I, I start every time I get mail now. I say this on the show on a regular basis. If you want to send me mail, send it to crossborderphotography at gmail.com and I will file it away in the appropriate location. And we get mail. Uh, we get like people sending me emails through the website through just randomly on like via email who honestly. I haven't, I don't care. <laughs> if you don't like it, don't listen. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Like, when we had Maxine Bernier on the show, we had the leader of the PPC party on the show. The amount of vile and hate that I got of why the fuck would you have that anti-homo, the, the homophobe on the show, the transphobic Muslim hating asshole. I'm like, uh, okay, and this, this is where I get into trouble a lot. Why don't you listen to the other side of the story? Why can't we why can't we have an honest to goodness conversation with people on the opposite side? I'm having members of the Maverick Party leadership campaign on the show. 
I'm having people from the PPC on the show. I don't need to know where they're coming from, why they believe what they believe. I try to have an intelligent conversation with them. Yet again, sometimes they stump you and go, well, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to answer my own question that I believe that you just asked me. And you're like, okay, whatever. That's your own opinion. But my listeners, I, I try to do, I try to say this a lot. My, I, I, I don't speak down to my listeners, right? I believe that you should be able to make up your own mind if this person's lying to you or telling you a fucking like bold face, like wackadoodle fucking lie because there's a lot of fucking politicians who do that. But why, why do we need to censor that? Like we need to fucking promote these people to say, this is what they fucking believe. On record, here they are telling what they believe. Don't elect them. <laughs> Anyway, there's my rant for the day. I apologize. But then, no, that's an interesting question. I, I, I would uh, ask you is, um, is there anyone you wouldn't interview? Because, I mean, that's sort of something I, I would wouldn't interview a, a sex pedophile. Uh, like, like, uh, like, I'm not, like, is there anyone like politically that I wouldn't interview? No. I want I want the leader of the Christian Heritage Party. We're in negotiations to have him on. Why not? He believes yeah. in some weird stuff. Doesn't mean that I can't talk to him like a human being. And I just find that social media and the microcosm that is social media, like I don't ever, ever want anyone to believe that Twitter is the bee's knees and it's the pulse of the nation because it's fucking not. Anyone who believes that needs to go away. Just like, and I'm going to say this for anyone who's running in this election, do not retweet fucking 338 Canada. It's not a fucking scientific poll. It's a fucking projection. Just because your party says, oh, we're winning in this ride. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I was, I was yeah, so I, nice for the first like, really 20 minutes. Of... <laughs> I, 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 love, I love life. I love yeah, life. I mean, I mean, I'm of, I, I'm of the view that, like, I, I, you know, I've said this before. I'll interview anyone on the show. I, you know, Pat King, if you want to come on, and Tamara, uh, if you want to come on, go on. Yeah, the yeah. Corner. I mean, but um, I, I Pat King, would, I'm probably uh, gonna, I'm probably not gonna have it. It's not gonna be a similar thing. So I'm just, saying. I'm probably. <laughs> well, no, I, or if you want to come on cross border interviews. I can't Go promise because Chris won't call you a piece of shit. I, yeah, I, yeah. like I'll talk to anyone. That doesn't mean I'm going to be civil towards them. That doesn't mean right. I talk to everyone in the same way, but I'll yeah, talk to anyone. But, but, but Chris, for you, like, do, do you, um, do you approach interviews differently based on who no. the guest is and sort of what they stand no. for? We all wipe our asses the same way. We all put on our pants the same way. That's not I even true. Like some people stand up to wipe, and it's fucking weird. Anyway, okay, but we still wipe our asses or use a bidet. So no, I'm not. I, 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 I pride myself on not doing a lot of research on interviews because I want to learn from the subject from them. Right? I don't want to go in with a perceived emotion of this person said this, this person said this. My so I've had Tony Clement on. Dean Del Mastro, former parliamentary secretary under Stephen Harper, and Mike Duffy, three conservatives who are very lightning rods in the conservative movement. I've had them on. And I, I approach the subject the same way. And I let them bring up the subjects because I don't want to be seen as the one who's like poking and prodding into a certain topic area. Courtney Brenner, Councillor Penner that I just had on. She's the one who made mention that Sean Chu was one of the reasons that Stephen Carter got turfed. I don't bring these subjects up, and did I have Stephen that. Did Carter get turfed, or did he resign? No, he got fired. 
he got fired. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of city news stories out about it, but I think it like there's more coming. Because I want the subject matter to paint themselves into that corner, right? I'm not sitting there going, okay, you need to, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this. If you talk about the wind, I'll talk about the wind with you. If you talk about the photo of you sending half naked photo of yourself, sending it to a Russian bot as the member of the National Security Advisory Committee of Canada, I'll talk about that. If you want to talk about your uh, allegations of uh, elections expenses, I'll talk about that. I let the person lead the conversation. I don't try to lead the conversation because I want them to feel comfortable on the show. And I try to pride myself on making people feel comfortable and not totally. feeling like they like being asked. And but on when I'm note, on other people's shows, I'll fucking swear like a fucking trucker. And, and on that note, I'm going to totally lead the conversation now because we got to get close to the end here. But because uh, uh, I want, I, I, I do, I feel like we left talking about the where you are with your cancer treatments a little open-ended for people because I and I, I think maybe they might have some questions about and I know that where you're at right now is like pretty unknown in a lot of ways but uh treatment is ongoing still and uh the battle continues correct uh treatment is not ongoing so I had my surgery in December 3rd where they removed about 90 percent of the tumors uh, it had grown to the temporal lobe and the occipital lobe. So I had two areas. So part of my memory, and that's why dates and times, that's why I actually had to write down dates and times because that way I can remember it. Um, we, there's a lot of unknown right now. And I go back into the hospital in the middle of February, February 14th to be exact. I go in for some results. Um, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Okay. Well, we wish you like the best of luck with the treatments and where you're uh, the ongoing battle. Um, we hope you can get back to treating it and uh, get rid of it once and for all. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, should we quickly dabble into current events, Jeremy? I mean, we, we did say we would, but... I don't know. The convoy's dumb, and uh, let's quick. Actually, I want to ask you, what do you? Who do you think is going to be the next leader of the CPC? Let's yeah, let's make that our last question. Who do I think should be, or who do I think is going to? Be? Ah, give me both. <laughs> give me both. Um, who do I think is going to be? Uh, it looks like everyone is pointing to Pierre Pierre Paul Oliver, the MP for Carleton, finance critic, shadow critic for uh, the Conservatives. Who do I think it should be? And this has nothing to do with uh, gender politics. I think it needs to be a woman. And right now, and I, I, this is going to piss off a lot of people, I think it should be Leslin Lewis, the MP, <laughs> the MP for Haldeman, North Fork. She came third in the 2020 leadership race. Um, they She's need someone. batshit crazy, though. We saw what a sane person does. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, but I, I I agree with Chris. I think that's who it, like it's going to be someone from the far right of the party. Um, but because Lewis the, could win. You think she could be prime minister? Man, like I don't know how else to say this other than like I think they'd really like lean into the fact that she's a 
a woman the of PPC color. would come back. The vote from the PPC would come back to the fold with Pierre Polivare. The PPC vote will stay where it is. I think that's the. I think Leslie Lewis has the best opportunity in the CPC to keep all the moderate conservatives and regain the PPC vote. Like she could absolutely beat Trudeau in an election. Oh yeah, and I don't think that's very uh, at all. That would not be awesome. Like she's. She is a, she's, she's nuts to me. I think you're going to see a very crowded field. Yeah, I, I, I hear Although my Kevin O'Leary dipping his toe back in a bit here, or at least hinting. Who? McKay. I heard with well, hinting so at least this week. I don't think it's going to be someone from the center of the party. We saw what happened with Aaron O'Toole. I think Aaron O'Toole has shone a light on the conservatives' views on a centrist uh, leader. I know Aaron O'Toole has a lot of flaws himself, being a flip-flopper, being running as a true uh, blue conservative, and then being a center blue conservative in the uh, actual election. I think you are going to see someone from the right of the party. And I don't mean that as a bad thing, because it gives the liberals and the NDP some weird... Uh, navigations for themselves because the liberals will have to try to become that center party again because right now they're more left than the NDP. The NDP will have to figure out where they're going because if you see uh, social media, there's been two former NDP candidates calling for Jagmeet Singh to uh, step down and have their own leadership race. So I think there's a lot of issues right now and the conservatives need uh, to look in the mirror to quote our former premier uh, Jim Prentice uh, and if the conservatives want to win, they need someone who is going to be unabashedly conservative. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I mean, I think we could have a whole podcast on my on our where we are on uh, our a debate on whether the Liberal Party is far left or anywhere left of center at all at this point. But um, that's 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 fine. Uh, I agree, though. I like I. I think if the CPC goes full right, which is where the direction they're going, I think that's going to allow the LPC to continue to claim that they're on the left, which I think is not very awesome either. But um, hey, you know. Um, so the only one that I want to know if he actually jumps in, because if you remember in the 2020 uh, leadership race, I apologize if we're going a little bit long here, but nah. Pierre Polivare and John Charest were two candidates who were literally on the cusp of announcement, announcing, and then the day they were announcing, oh, we have young children, we can't anymore. So I've just Pierre discovered Polivare. this. I have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pierre Polivare has has another kid, has a newborn kid. So his kids are still young. Is he still going to run? And John Charest, he wants to be prime minister. Will Stephen Harper let him? But see, Pierre's oldest child is getting old enough to realize their dad's a douche, and there he's like, "Oh, my kids don't even like me. I could probably be leader of the party. Never mind." Family life. Do you think he's actually a douche, or do you be. think it's just a persona? Oh, he's a fucking, it's, he, it's a persona and he's a super huge douche. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, he's a somebody, huge douche who like runs with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, think I don't know, man. I, I don't live in the same world as a lot of people. Like the other day, yesterday I saw on Twitter, somebody was talking about what a threatening candidate he is and was listing all the good traits. And one of the traits was how good looking he is. And I was just like, okay. I mean, that's a subjective discussion, no matter who you're talking to, but I mean, Pierre is no Ricardo Miranda. Like, I'll fucking give you... There's just... I'm sorry. 
it's not dreamy at all. Anyway, Jeremy, you got anything else for our guest today before we let him get on with this day? Uh, no, I mean, I could sit here shooting the shit about the conservative leadership all day, but, you know, we've all got uh, places to be. I'm really glad uh, we were able to return the favor, Chris, after you uh, kindly had me on your show. And uh, yeah, it was great talking. There's so much, um, you know, we didn't get a chance to get into. So we'll have to have you back on in the near future. Yeah, now, I really, we like well, chatting. So. I was just going to say, um, so I, I listened to your introduction as you were saying it. And the one thing you forgot to mention to the great people who are listening to right now, how can they back the Forgotten Corner? You never gave them links to where they can potentially go and back the show. Oh, well, it is actually That's so a, true. It, there is a recorded message at the very beginning of the show that says like, but anyways, that's true. If you did uh, listen and you like the, the idea of giving us one or three bucks a month, you know, patreon.com backslash forgotten corner and you can uh you can give us money you can also just uh send us money through paypal somehow but we need mo for how that's actually a thing i don't know mo knows put it in the notes mo he's smart like that but and uh while you're at it you know throw a couple bucks chris's way even though he's destroying us in that department as is but that's okay we are not being we are are hey i think if you want to throw money my way go ahead that's right, that's right. greatly appreciative because right. we are we are we are taking the show on the road this summer we're going to be down in medicine hat this summer so i look forward to potentially seeing scott in person when i'm right? there interviewing the mayor of Le uh, medicine hat we and all the mayors of the area we had her Pardon first me? you might have had her first but we'll have her longer that's true. That's true. Yeah. You'll, well, I don't know. We, uh, we'd like to go over time here pretty good, but, and we're trying to get uh, the rest of the council, by the way, to come on the show, but they're all busy trying to run the city apparently, which is pretty lame. Excuse, I just need the mayor. Whatever. Um, to our listeners uh, of the book club and beyond uh, author of the book, Canada in the world um, that we have been reading over the last few months, author Tyler Shipley is going to be on the program next week and uh, we really hope you guys uh, return to listen to that that's uh, the time in the show where we say thank you to our patrons who go way above and beyond anything we could hope for so to Nicola Dinacola, to Darius Beargard, to the Big Red Machine to Chris Sterwold and to Dave Bonmiller you guys keep us going to our other patrons and our listeners we really appreciate appreciate everything you do for us Mr. Chris Brown, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, last word, tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, for anyone who's wanting to listen to the show, we are on Apple Podcasts at Cross Border Interviews uh, with Chris Brown. We are on Yes. For those who are about to cancel me because I'm still on Spotify, we are on Spotify at Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. You can visit our website at crossborderinterviews.ca and uh, yeah. Uh, and social media, we're cross-border interviews with Chris Brown. Look it up. And we have different handles for different uh, social media. So check it out and follow along because we, we kind of have great shows. People seem to listen to us. So come and be one of those it's people that kind of listens to us. You guys would like it a lot. It's very much like ours, but like better and more frequent. So, you know, it's a very good show. But thank you again. Yeah, Chris. if you can't get enough of us and you want yeah, something right. uh, every day. Uh, Monday to Friday.
Yeah, check. Well, yeah, every How day. How would of the we week. do in a daily show? I wonder, Jeremy. Like, what would our listenership be like if we were on five days a week? We'd lose Mo pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our our team would be uh, cut significantly. But that's right. yeah, our listenership. I mean, you know, the more content that's out there, the more opportunities people have to find it. Right. Hundred percent. All right, you guys. Well, go ahead, Chris. I was about to say, the only reason why we're getting good numbers right now, I just realized this because I was watching CBC and Global last night. There's a lot of people saying cross-border for some strange reason right now. Yeah. So I think when they, when they Google cross-border. I was going to mention that the other day when we met that I was like, that is like oddly a very like impressive name to have right now because it's all anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. as if the fucking protests have anything to do with that anyway but uh, i want to thank you both for having me on the show as well so thank you scott and jeremy for both having me on our pleasure chris we'll talk again soon all right listeners we'll see you guys next week take care bye-bye bye-bye now <laughs>